Hey there, welcome to the Mint Measure podcast, where we cover everything related to attribution, incrementality, and marketing analytics. Here we go. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Mint Measure Live. We're gonna go ahead and get started. The way that today's gonna look, Scott's going to present, share what we have prepared for our Attribution Methodologies 101, and then we'll jump into a Q&A, anything related to attribution or anything ad tech, advertising, or anything else you want to talk about. Both of us are kind of into politics, but we probably shouldn't breach into that on the Mint Measure podcast. Cool. So what is attribution and why does it even matter? I think y'all probably think it matters a little bit or you wouldn't be here. We're going to talk a little bit about attribution methodologies at a high level and then what is the right approach to attribution based on your stage of the business and what you need. So just some of the fundamentals like attribution is the process of tying ad spend to results. It's really that simple. There's lots of different ways to do it. When you're using something like Google Analytics or platform reporting, that is actually a form of attribution. But why does it matter? I would say one thing I hear from a lot of agencies and brands proving to leadership that marketing is working for agencies. It's proving the value of the agency or why the agency should exist. And then as data nerds or ad nerds ourselves, we'd probably say to make campaigns perform better. I think that's probably the big split between people is which is the more important function of attribution. Is it proof or is it optimization? Yeah. And I think that there's a couple of different things that drive when people have a preference towards one or the other. This is an interesting year because I think every CFO has been really paying attention to advertising and what's working and what's not. And so it's interesting. We've seen the desire or the need for attribution increase as people have started to face tighter budgets or like more scrutiny. Yeah. From our perspective, like we're spending all this money and it should be driving business results. And we're not just getting a grant to say, here's your money, go have fun. We're accountable to something, whether that's a CPA or brand sentiment or anything else. And so attribution is how we can show the results and prove the value of the work that we've done. So who should do attribution? Trick question, it's everybody. If you're spending money, you have to do some form of attribution. Something like a CTR is gonna be less good than a CPA. But as long as you're tying your spend to results in some way, shape, or form, that's the most important part. So let's talk a little bit about methodologies and how some of this works. So it's worth noting that all attribution starts with the same data. And that data is kind of split into two categories. There's ad platforms and third-party tools. And your ad platforms, Facebook, Google, YouTube, etc., each channel is taking credit for everything that they can, all of the results that they are possibly able to understand that they influenced, and they don't really have visibility into other platforms. We've seen that iOS 14 has really changed how these platforms report on their impact. And so this data is certainly valuable and impactful, and it's best used for things like creative optimizations, whereas budget allocations are probably going to be better suited to a tool that can look across multiple different ad platforms. So as it relates to the third-party tools, there are independent, you know, these are independent platforms. Most of the time, they're only measuring and they don't sell ads. Google Analytics, we do this as well, but you might know like a Nielsen or a Rockerbox or a Triple Whale. And their purpose is really to unify all of that data and act as a source of truth or like a way of centralizing all that information so that you can make better marketing decisions. And really kind of the difference here is that Ad platforms are great for making choices about that platform and third-party tools are important to make choices about all of your platforms together. 
I want to talk a little bit about three different levels of optimization because these directly tie into the data sources and the ways that a brand can attribute the results. Level one data is in-platform data. So this is that left column that we were just talking about. You should probably be looking in your ad platforms once or twice a week. And this is where you're going to adjust your Facebook audiences or your TikTok creative or your search bids or stuff like that. And so that's really where like most of the like day to day, week to week optimizations are going to take place. Most of the time when people think about attribution, they're thinking about level three. These are like macro views. And this is something that is typically evaluated like every three to six months. And the purpose of attribution at this level three is to make macro budget shifts. Hey, last quarter, we made our first investment into CTV. Let's look at the attribution to understand what CTV's impact was. And so you're making these broader changes to your media mix and being able to understand contributions to revenue. Now, there's something in between both of these two layers that happens not every single week, but also not just once a quarter. And so this is your cross-channel delivery and your cross-channel data. And really the idea with these level two is to be able to make changes across your different ad platforms that will ladder up to those macro insights every three to six months and these bigger budget shifts. And so this is not about making big budget shifts, but it's about understanding that, hey, my ideal frequency is seven, but most of my users have only seen one or two ads. Or hey, my CTV and my display do really well when they're paired together, but it's not happening very often. So level two is that middle step to be able to look at what's working in flight and understand how those channels are working together, right? That's that attribution component and be able to adjust how your campaign is delivering. So just restate all this. Level one is your in-platform data done on a weekly basis. Level two is done every two to four weeks to make sure that your campaign is delivering across channels in the way that's most efficient. And then level three is looking at the business in a broader context about every three months to understand if the macro budget is allocated to the right channels. So Let's take a look at these different methods. And so before we jump into this, do we want to hit pause and just go over the non-advanced methods real quick? Talk about maybe like single touch attribution methodologies before we get into these more advanced ones. Sure. Is Google Analytics enough or do you guys find yourself like stretching for answers, wishing that there was something else? more of a rhetorical question. I know the answer is yes. I know that GA is not enough. Last touch, even out of your platforms is helpful. You know, but the big challenge there is you're trying to reconcile multiple disparate data sources. Facebook says hundred, Google says hundred, but your e-commerce store only says 150. Where did those 50 go? And when we look at the other different models, media mix models and multi-touch attribution, those are really designed and purpose-built around how channels work together and identifying either the fractional credit for the channel or like the budget allocation. And then incrementality testing is really focused on the single, the contributions of a single channel. If we turned off all of our spend on Facebook or all of our spend on channel X, what would happen? And these are both kind of different halves of the equation. And we'll talk a little bit more about each of these and then a new way of how we think about things. So some of these methods, media mix modeling, actually, let me take a half step back. When choosing an analytics method, you have a choice between breadth of channels or depth of insight. So media mix models, this is the broadest 
method out there. You can account for every single channel that you have, including things that aren't measurable like print or radio or outdoor. And so the trade-off there is you're not going to get super granular information about those channels or even about your other channels because your inputs are going to be things like spend and impressions and total sales. And then the models are going to do their thing. This has been around since the 1960s, classic way of doing this. Multi-touch attribution built on top of that and added user-level data. And so similarly, they're going to use statistics and models to estimate the range of performance and the contributions. This is more in-depth than the MMMs because there are that user-level tracking. And then incrementality testing. What most people think about incrementality is on-off. So if I were to spend, spend $0 on Facebook or if I were to stop spending on marketing altogether, and so by structuring tests, you can figure out what the contributions are to sales. And then bimodal attribution. So this is a combination of the media mix analysis and the channel incrementality or the incremental results driven by that channel. And wrapped into a single method, just all cards on the table, this is what we do. And so this uses the user level data of the multi-touch and then deduplicates and analyzes that, which just removes the estimation that comes from the media mix models and the MTA. And bimodal attribution is a result of 10 years working at ad agencies and doing performance marketing. It's this insight that some users on a campaign are only going to see ads in a single place and they're going to make a purchase or they can come to the site, whatever your KPI is. And so those users are incremental to the campaign. And then some users are going to see ads in multiple places, in which case this channel is going to be supporting and lifting conversion rate. And so every ad channel for every advertiser will always do both of these things. And we showed some of those other methodologies about how media mix and multi-touch are really focused on how they work together. And then incrementality is on that single channel contributions. But because ads channels are always doing both of these things, instead of buying two pieces of technology to solve for that, that's where bimodal attribution comes in. That, that's the extent of us talking about ourselves on this. I just want to be clear, we're not here to like sell you guys on anything, but- You made it. We made it. <laughs> I think we're good to march into when to use each type of methodology. Yeah. The reality is not every brand needs to pay for a third-party attribution tool. And where you are in the life cycle of the business really changes how you think about attribution and the type of technology that you would choose. So there's three main businesses. We're going to call them early and small businesses, growth and channel expanding businesses, and then some that are like more mature and stable. So for early and small businesses, these are people who spend less than a million dollars per year on ads. Maybe up to 2 million in some cases. Yeah, maybe up to 2 million in some cases. But the second big thing is that they're really only spending on two channels. And this is usually paid search and social. It could be one or two social platforms, maybe some remarketing on those platforms. But this stage of business is really defined by the idea that I have not yet scaled out my budgets. And if I put another dollar into marketing, more than $1 of revenue is coming out of the back end. And you don't have to do anything extra or special to make that happen. It's the only thing that's limiting your success is how many dollars you can put in. Exactly. And so this is like businesses that are either have a small market or that are young and are just really beginning to scale. And so if you keep putting more money in and you keep getting more two to one, three to one ROI out the back end, you probably don't need an attribution platform because you only have a couple of places to be able to allocate that spend. And last click in Google Analytics is sufficient. And Triple Whale and Northbeam are like the two that are most common for these types of smaller businesses. Those tools can certainly save you time on reporting. And so if you are gonna pay for a reporting or an attribution tool, just make sure it's gonna fit those needs. But 
GA is honestly fine for these campaigns. The next stage of business is business that's in growth or expanding their ad channels. So this is really defined as running in three or more ad channels. So you take that search and social, maybe you add some retargeting, you add some email, and the advertising investment is typically growing pretty consistently as long as an ROI target is hit. And so this is really where a third-party tool can come in and give a different view than the ad platforms. And you're really looking across all these different channels. And so let's suppose that I have my search, social retargeting, and email, and we wanna test digital video. When I add that to the campaign, I need to know how it works. Right? Going back to that insight, I need to know how often it's reaching net new users and converting them. And I need to know how it lifts the conversion rate of social and search when it's part of a media mix. And so this is really where the deduplication of users and results becomes important to have accurate data. And this data is now not just about seeing what's working, but being able to optimize your campaign. If I see, for example, this new video channel that I added is reaching a completely different audience than the people who are like, I'm reaching on social, that's probably a problem, right? I wanna make sure that people are seeing ads in multiple places. And so the data is all about informing how to allocate your budget for most efficient growth, which channel combinations are most efficient and what the lowest cost pers are if you're gonna shift budgets around. The last stage is mature and stable enterprises. These are mature companies that have low growth and they oftentimes are using attribution differently than if your marketing budget is growing. A large corporation, imagine somebody who's spending $40 million a year on advertising. Their ad budgets might go up or down a few million dollars a year, but they're not gonna spend $3 million the next year. So these tend to be pretty complex ad programs and they may have things like publisher direct buys or multiple ad platforms or DSPs. And in this stage of business, attribution becomes about justifying the marketing budget to internal stakeholders. I might add, we hear a lot that people just want visibility into how each channel is working and how things work together Yeah. in this stage. Yeah, yeah that's a big part of it is if I'm spending money and I don't really have a lot of visibility, like just knowing that this thing that I hope is doing well, is actually doing well, it's important. And so the data is often used a little bit slower, quarterly or semi-annually to kind of check and validate budget allocations and these more mature companies, this is really where they tend to focus a lot on incrementality because as a mature business, you have brand equity and you wanna know, hey, if I were to dial back my marketing spend, what would that do to revenue? Yeah, three different stages, each of them with a slightly different use case. I think the other spin that I'll put on this is that the agency and the marketing team at the brand really influence this, right? You could be a mature company that has a startup-y type team who is like, anxious and eager to like figure out how to drive growth. Or you could be a growth focused company with an agency who is maybe a little bit more keen to take things slow. There's individuals who are working on the campaigns and accounts that are gonna influence how this data is used. Do a quick note on just how you guys can choose technology or like some of the things that you might wanna consider. Just to read, if you're spending under a million dollars a year or you're only spending in Google and Facebook, then don't pay for anything. You, you really don't need it. And so as you think about embarking on this analytics journey, like who's gonna use this? Is there somebody in-house and you can get like a self-service tool or do you, you guys need a little bit of help from your whatever technology and tool that you buy to make sure that you're gonna be able to understand and apply that data? Also, if you're looking out two, three years down the road, Google Analytics might be enough for you today, but are you gonna need a third-party tool in six months? And so you want to make sure that if you're going to start this journey, you're picking a tool that can stay with you for at least ideally two years.
I think on that note, you also want to make sure, hey, down the road, am I going to have the benchmarks that I need that I want to evaluate performance against? And in that case, moving a little bit sooner might be beneficial so you can have those benchmarks earlier. Exactly. Yeah. A couple of questions that you guys can ask to the platform directly or just internally to yourselves. So to the extent possible, are we limiting estimations, right? Are we using a something that is 100% model-based or are we using something that has user-level data? Based on the channels that you have, we talked about that trade-off between breadth and depth. Is it more important to measure all of your channels, including things like radio and outdoor, or is it more important to get really granular on your digital ad spend? We are big believers in optimizations and being able to do that in flight. So if I have an insight, am I waiting six weeks to get my data and is that insight stale or am I able to take this data and apply it to my campaign and see how it impacts the campaign? Going back to the talent question, right? Am I able to understand the data? Who internally is going to be able to understand that? And then, you know, analytics shouldn't just be research, right? It should be able to have a direct line of impact to profitability and paid ROI. Is this at a price point or do we think that like we could use this tool in a way that will allow us to deliver more benefit for the company than what we're paying for the solution? That's it. I don't want to keep PowerPointing you guys to death. We've covered a lot of ground here. So we'd love to understand if you guys have any questions or if you guys are maybe in the process of using an attribution tool or have used one in the past, if you guys have any questions about how that's done or anything else, we're happy to field those questions. Cool. I've got a comment to kick things off. So this person says, MTA is designed to solve the problem of when we reach the customer in multiple ways, who deserves the credit? This has been an issue facing the industry for two decades. There've been tons of potential solutions. But most multi-touch attribution solutions promise to deliver an accurate read on the customer journey. With that, you can begin to optimize customer journey, make more money, scale your business. This is like the big promise they make. Right. These MTA solutions are built on the idea of who gets credit for what ultimately shares a common ideal customer use case. And so this is one of the reasons that they're tremendously flawed. They deliver on the promise of the product when they can allow individual marketing efforts to take specific credits for a percentage of revenue. However, if the point of looking at this information is to grow your business, the vast majority of tools don't meet needs because they're not designed to solve actual questions. They're just meant to show that percentage. So I guess, yeah, wanted your take on that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, this was ultimately like one of my beefs with attribution in general before we started MidMeasure is that if I know that search deserves 23% credit, cool, what do I do with that? Do I allocate 23% of my budget? What if insert channel and fractional credit here? Okay, but that doesn't tell me how many ads. It doesn't tell me how often my channels are working together. And so my, my perception, whether that's it's real or not, is that most attribution, specifically like fractional credit, was devised by an academic in an ivory tower thinking, what is a mathematical solution to this problem? And it kind of ignores the day-to-day -day reality of ad buyers, right? As an ad buyer, I don't need to know that my programmatic deserves 17% credit. I need to know that video plus my non-brand search has a 12% conversion rate, but that only accounts for 3% of my conversions. Oh, great. Now I know that I can take this and write. And so legacy attribution, multi-touch attribution and media mix models are not designed to be actionable. They're designed to give a retroactive answer, that justification, which is exactly that guy's comment is that they promise all this stuff, but like they're not really designed for that. And I think like fractional credit can be helpful to understand how something is contributing, but it's not the data nor the like 
format that ad buyers need to like make actual improvements to their campaign. Nice. I've got a couple more questions loaded up, but if someone wants to jump in, feel free to unmute or drop your question in the chat. In the meantime, we'll keep it moving. This person asks, I'm a marketing specialist for a small company with less than 20 employees. It's my first job in this kind of position. And the company I work for always has campaigns for holidays, but they never really mention the goals of the campaign. Internally, we just seem to spend a lot of time discussing what kind of discount to offer with this campaign. So we don't know what we're aiming for or what kind of metrics we should even be evaluating this campaign on. This is in complete contrast to everything I learned in school, which is to set goals for every campaign, track those with relevant metrics. So is this actually necessary? Should I be bringing something like this up at our next campaign meeting? It never ceases to amaze me the crazy things that you see in the real world. Like the idea that a business owner is gonna offer a discount on their product without having a strategy or a plan or a measurement plan or like anything just seems so foreign to me. What? But I can actually like really relate to this person because at my last agency job, I found myself screaming measurement from the top of the roofs because everyone was like moving along, planning campaigns and strategies with no thought of measurement. And I was always the guy be like, excuse me, what's the measure of success here? Like, how do we know if, right? And so if you find yourself with that sort of a love for the accountability piece, I would say take it on and like, the way that I've operated in situations like this is you probably need to show up to that meeting having done all of the prep work. Like you should probably try and do as much of a measurement plan as you possibly can and bring that to the meeting because no one else there has that skill set or that knowledge. That's clear because it's not happening. So you need to bring as much as you possibly can and that's gonna start some really good conversation. So I think a way to do this is actually just some really simple algebra. If you say, okay, if we were to offer a 20% discount on however many sales we got last year, maybe you go to your last year's campaign and you say, great, like our regular product was $100. We offered a 25% discount and we got X amount more sales. And the algebra will be really simple to know that if that discount increased the sales velocity at a fast enough rate to make it profitable. Because if I discounted 25%, but only sold 20% more, I gave up 5% of my revenue for no reason. Um, and so I think that's a really great place to start and it'll give you a really good sense of what you did in the past. And then from there, setting goals is actually really easy. The other dimension that I would give to someone like this is to look at, okay, the last time we did a sale, we discounted 25%. How many people were repeat customers and how many were first time customers? And you can do the math on those because if I sold 20% more, but only, but 90% of that was to my existing customers, I actually just gave a discount to people who probably would have bought anyways. Or maybe they would have bought with a 10% discount instead of 25. But if that 25% discount brought in 80% new people, all of a sudden that's a lot more valuable to me because I can start to do some math about how many of those would I expect to repeat and what's the AOV on those, right? And so, I think those are some really easy ways to get started and to be able to like do some work beforehand. And if you come to the table and you've analyzed the last campaign through this lens, it's gonna open everybody's eyes and they're gonna be like really interested in trying to figure out like what the goals are and like what worked or what didn't. And then hopefully that puts you on a better path. Awesome. This is a question. Yeah. That third, the third level of method, media mix modeling or high level activities like that. Do you see any? Yeah to doing that more often, like monthly or even weekly? 
So more frequent is better, right? If I could make an optimization once a month versus once every three months, if I can make a 2% optimization every month versus a 5% optimization every quarter, the compound gains from the more frequent optimizations are going to yield significantly more results at the end of the year. So we would always encourage people to optimize more frequently. The big challenge is that MMM and MTA are not necessarily designed for that level of frequency. And I know that some providers are able to provide that and I just transparently don't know what kind of delivery or reports they're giving on that sort of a basis. But yeah, the channel, the level two, the cross channel is really about just dialing in the campaign parameters. And so this is really like the idea of marginal gains. If I can dial in my frequency by 5% and I can align my delivery to my like channels that are driving growth by 3% and then make a small device adjustment for 2%, that five plus three plus two over the course of three or six months are gonna make a really big impact on performance. So our experience is that the type of data that's required to do the level two every two to four week optimizations is just a different output than you get from like an M or an MTA. Yeah, I would say there might be some additional risk trying to do these like level three optimizations too frequently that you might give like your campaign some whiplash in a sense where if you're shifting budgets between channels too fast, Maybe you don't ever let things, the dust settle enough to see what's working. Another difficulty is that things like media mix models, multi-touch attribution, the statistical or mathematical modeling, the estimation that goes into that is based on historical data. And so a lot of times that can also prevent you from moving faster just because it relies on a lot of historical data and it's not as nimble. Yeah. Cool. Good question, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Any other questions? Yeah, so I've got one here. I've done a lot of traditional marketing. I wanna start learning digital marketing. So I wanna know how much research, data collection, and data analysis an average digital marketer does. So if I start moving into digital, do I need a lot of research or data analytics chops? Yeah. The way that I like coach people on this is that like you should be data fluid. And data fluent doesn't mean that you can do complex math crunching or anything else like that. It means that you're able to look at the data and understand it, even if it takes you a little bit of time sitting with the data. And it also means that you know the right questions to ask or are able to ask good questions about the data. I think I, I'm actually a good example of this. I don't know how to code anything like... We have, we have a guy who's built our product, but I knew the, like, I knew the strategy of what data would be needed and how that data would get applied, which allows me to ask questions to our engineers. So I don't think like the average person needs to go learn SQL or needs to go learn anything about like advanced statistical modeling, but you need to be able to look at a data set and understand, Hey, like this looks weird or this looks off. Part of that's probably coming from like your paid media experience. If everything's at a 0.1% click-through rate and something has a 4% click-through rate, like you should have the sense to be able to pick out that thing that's standing out. And then, yeah, being able to work with a data team and ask them like, okay, what does this mean? Or we call this the, so what? Okay, I have this data and okay, I see this thing that's weird or different, or maybe it's working well. So what do I do about it? If someone's trying to get more into analytics or more into like digital marketing, you don't have to be an analytics pro. You just have to be able to look at a data set and make sense of it and ask good questions and, and figure out how you're going to make use of it. Sweet. Do you guys have any predictions on identifiers going forward? 
Oh, Chase, this is one of my favorite topics. You just spoke Scott's love language. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, so there's lots of solutions in the marketplace. They all have slightly different things that are better or worse. Let us not forget that this whole shenanigan started when Google announced the death of third-party cookies because they own everything front to back and they could just box out competitors by killing third-party cookies. They're in the middle of their antitrust lawsuit. They're going to court in August or something. They're specifically litigating to divest the sell side, so the publisher side, from the buy side. And there's like a whole other thing about buy side technologies. But what happens if Google no longer has end-to-end access from their inventory to their DSP to the publisher? If not third-party cookies, some identifier will have to be used. Otherwise, behavioral targeting dies. And I just don't think as an industry we're ready to give up behavioral targeting. It's been just too good. Too good. Too much performance. (laughs) And even with something like contextual, there's still need for identifiers to manage frequency or suppression lists. If Google gets antitrusted, then some interoperable ID has to be in place. Whether it's third-party cookies or something else existing or something yet to exist. So I think clean rooms and stuff like that like will have a place and can be interesting. But I think those solutions exclude the vast majority of advertisers. Because if you're not spending $30, $50 million a year on advertising, you're not going to invest in a clean room. You're just not. It's a really high technical bar to clear. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of upkeep. And so I think that for the average Joe, for the average advertiser spending one, two, five million dollars a year, they're going to need different solutions and different ways. I don't know what ID or identifier or identity graph is going to be the thing, but I don't think that third-party cookies or like digital identity goes away. So Chase, I'd love your reaction to that. Yeah. So I think that there's just got to be something, like you said, I think it's just been too good. There's too much money around it to go away completely. I would agree with that, but it has it been going away. I think it has. There was a consumer privacy conference here in Atlanta. I don't know, two months ago, and the CMO or I don't know, some director high up at Coke got up there and told everyone that they have seen in the since pre-pandemic, they've seen roughly 50% of their audience just go away, that they're just not able to reach those people or measure those people anymore. The identifier has gone away for them, or they've switched to an Apple phone or whatever. They just don't have them. Then Adobe jumped up there and she said 40%. Use 40, use 50. That's or even half them, half those numbers, you use half of that. It's significant. So it's something that I know that we're, we're talking a lot about. We are using the household address, which is it's really GPS around a flat map is really how we're using it. The GPS locations through the ad calls is how we're identifying our consumers and matching them. Yep. So we're having the issues when I work with a large enterprise business or several rather, uh, that has multiple partners. They've got multiple agencies, teams, and we're able to match back to, to, to the marketing that we're doing, but the partners are not. So we're working, you know, we're taught, we're upper funnel uh, for, you know, ease, ease of conversation this today. Uh, the other partners run the lower funnel channels closer to the conversion point. Of course, we're able to match back, tell, tell the client, Hey, the, we touched this person. We touched that person. We influenced this sale, that sale using billing data, using billing zip codes and billing, billing addresses that come back in the credit card data and POS systems. But we're missing a, because it's Facebook and Google and they don't, you can't measure, you have to model it, you have to model it. 
but they're not able to measure the same consumers. They don't have the same identifier. So they're able to say, yes, somebody clicked purchase here on the website, but was it the same person that we served the CTV display, so on and so forth. We're missing the middle part of our customer journey because we're using different identifiers. So I know there's a universal identifier. I've heard only 20% of publishers have the universal identifier trade desk came out with have that onto their website so it's just like this disparate system right now is we're using address they're using universal identifier they're using cookies some people are using hashed email yes it's like it's hard to work together and understand how the how everyone's contributing when everyone's speaking a different language amen sounds like a real tower of babel moment yeah god killed the third party cookie and now we're all speaking (laughs) different languages yeah like chase i literally ran into this with my clients every day at the agency. We did brand and someone else did performance. We did social, someone else did search, right? And like tying this all together. So technologically, I have an answer for you. It's easy to say, it's hard to do. So like the way to get search and social into a holistic view is to have a first party click tracker that when someone clicks on an ad, it drops a first party cookie. This is how we measure things in search and social. The second component is server-side tracking on the website. Server-side tracking has some unique capabilities in terms of how long that cookie gets is able to be there. And then it has some additional data collection capabilities that can help really fill in some of those gaps. So even with something like iOS 14, you can get to pre-iOS, like you can fill in most of the data that gets lost there. From there, it's just a matter of the right sorts of analyses and pairings of the data to be able to analyze traffic that's coming from one source, pair that with the server-side tracking, and then there's some cross-channel mapping and the need of an identity graph to be able to understand that this click on search came to the website, saw a retargeting ad, clicked on a Facebook ad, came back to the website, and being able to take the third-party cookies from an impression, a first-party cookie from a click event, and the server-side tracking from the website, and stitch those all together into a holistic view. So it is possible, it's easy to say, hard to do. Nice, all right, I got another question here. I'm an in-house performance marketing manager. The company I work for recently signed on a new agency uh, to manage our always on campaign and for performance and brand awareness. So my role now is mostly managing the agency instead of doing any real hands-on stuff. So I've not, I haven't done this before. I've worked in agencies and in-house, I've always managed the media and the ad platforms myself. So I know exactly what needs to happen and I'm struggling to see how I'm gonna continue adding value in my role long-term that justifies me being paid the salary. I've doing this for a few days, but really I'm just like challenging the media proposal the agency put together, putting together project management documentation, fixing some issues with our tracking tools and platforms. But the agency is the one that's gonna execute the campaigns and you know I'll have regular meetings with them to you know, really dig into the performance, you know, try to hold them accountable. But in the long term, I'm not really seeing how I can keep myself busy or add the value that justifies me sticking around long term. So I wanted to get your advice on that. Yeah, it sounds like this person is moving from an executional role to a strategic role. They have a team, an agency who does all the executional work. So their value now is not going to be how many buttons did you push? How many campaigns did you launch? Their value is going to be oh, I thought of this thing or this idea, or I pushed for this test. And so their value is not the mechanical outputs anymore. It's their thought. So what I would 
tell this person is that they should look for ways to level up their like their thinking. Avinash Koshik is one of my favorite analytics bloggers. He offers tons and tons of different like blogs and articles and ways that you can ladder up your thinking, whether that is digital marketing channels, whether that's analysis type, but like a couple of like low hanging fruit for this person might be to like look at profit per skew or profit per campaign. Another would be to like look at new versus returning customers and develop a strategy to acquire new customers, get repeat purchases. There's also probably in-house channels that this agency isn't managing, things like email marketing or text messaging, right? What are the opportunities within that to innovate or do something different or test? And so this is where like their view now is gonna be more like holistic than the agency. So they need to be able to think about what the agency does and what the business does and what are the things that like they can do or think about differently that are gonna matter. CPA is great. If you can hit your CPA target, amazing. But if I can hit my CPA target on a product that has a high profit margin and a product that has a low profit margin, well, I should make the case internally to double down on this high margin product, right? So like there, and I, she's gonna take all that and she's gonna give it to her agency and her agency is gonna go and execute it. Or maybe she brings this idea up to the agency and says, agency, go develop a strategy for this. And so that's really where their value is going to be is like in this thinking and leveling up the things that they're focused on versus just pushing audits. So even though you're a performance marketing manager, maybe starting to act more like a VP of marketing or a CMO over the agency. Nice. If no one else has questions, I think we'll wrap there. Yeah, great. Awesome. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for spending the time with us on this live. It's been an absolute pleasure and we'll see you on the next one in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, and if you're looking for a better way to prove that your campaigns are working and find the best ways to optimize spend, we invented bimodal attribution so you can see exactly how ad spend turns into results and make more of your campaigns. You can learn more about PMA at mintmeasure.com. See you next time.